So good to see everybody. Hey, man. Good to see you, man. We're going to jump right into it. Um, I got a book I want to recommend that um, someone told me about, and I went and got it, and I bought Clark a copy, and it's just amazing. I got this. I gave Ken my copy. I got to go buy some more. But um, it's called The Naked Gospel. The Naked Gospel. Andrew Farley. I strongly recommend you pick this up. So, oh, thanks for that book about Paul. I'm enjoying that so much. So much information about it. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. But, yeah, thank you so much. But um, when you get a chance, pick that up, The Naked Gospel. This is a... Andrew Farley, he's out of Texas. He pastors a church in Texas. Great chapter in here about, really clear, about how the, the Christian, the believer, um, does not need and should, not just does not need, but should not continually ask God to forgive them of their sins. Huge, huge um, misconception in the church today that First John 1, 9 is a, as a scripture to the believer that we're supposed to continually ask God to forgive us over and over and over again or cleanse us over and over and over again. This is awesome. Uh, it's actually working against what the Holy Spirit is doing in us when we feel like we need to get cleansed by God over and over and over again. It's working against what the Spirit of God is trying to say to us. Now, as far as between us human beings and vertically, Absolutely, we ask people to forgive us when we hurt someone, or that's different. You know, it's a different relationship. Yes, please forgive me. I, you know, whatever. But with God, it's a thank you. It's not an asking. It's a thank you. When we screw up and sin, we thank God that we're already forgiven, that we're righteous in Christ, that we're not trying to get forgiven again or cleansed again. Because forgiveness does not come because you can remember your sins and speak them and, and ask God to forgive those sins. Forgiveness comes because you believed. In the once for all sacrifice of the Christ, when Jesus died, his blood forgave us of our sins. And that, and that alone gives us righteousness. So when we, when we blow it and we sin, we just need to go to God boldly, the scripture says, to a throne of grace. Because we don't lose our righteousness when we sin as a believer. That is the new covenant. Behold, I'll remember their sins no more. And I will consider their iniquities no more. I'll remember their sins no more. In fact, Paul says you're not under law. And when there is no law, there is no transgression. Sin is not even imputed to the believer because you're not under law. Isn't that awesome? Amen. I know you already know all this. But, but that's awesome, awesome chapter in this book. Also... Um, this book talks about, oh yeah, this awesome, awesome chapter here about the flesh that you're, that you're, oh, when you sin, it's not, you know, we've talked about when you sin as a believer, when I sin as a believer, it's not the old man sinning. As Paul makes very clear, the old man is dead. The old man is judged. The old man is gone. The new man within you desires to do the things of God. And it's only the power of sin and the flesh that wars against the real you so that he makes it so clear, this is so cool, makes it so clear that when you um, are struggling, when I'm struggling with the flesh, it has, it's not me fighting with me. It's not me fighting with me. It's, not, it's, it's the new man that really wants to do the things of God. And it's the power of sin in the flesh Paul says that struggles against the real you. Isn't that awesome? So, and, and it changes everything. You see yourself differently. You see yourself as, that's not really me. 
You know, if I sin, that doesn't make me a sinner. If I'm in Christ, I'm no longer a sinner just saved by grace. No, I'm a saint, Paul says. I'm a holy one in him. It's all because in Jesus, because of what he did. Anyway, he's got an awesome explanation of what the flesh is and what the old man is and what the power of sin is and the body, the mortal body. He actually says it like Paul says it. The mortal body has the power of sin working in it against the new man within. It's awesome. So I strongly recommend this, the Naked Gospel, Andrew Farley. And um, today what I'd like to do, um, we started Galatians in December and we've, we finally finished Galatians except today... I'm going to try to do the whole book of Galatians as a, as a summary. As a summary, just the high points, of course. Tom's shaking his head. But I just want to just touch on some high points because we ended up with the letter to the Galatians, and I thought it was really cool. Um, you know, that from December we've been working on it. And I want to start on something fresh in October, next Sunday, the Lord willing. And I'm not sure exactly where I'm going to go yet on, um, in October. But I think, what I've, I think what I'm supposed to say, talk on, is focus on this whole concept of how in the new covenant, sin has not been just covered. It's been taken away. The blood of bulls and goats could only cover sin, Hebrews says. But behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I want to focus on this whole concept of, of, the, of the, the imputation of sin. What does it mean that sin is not imputed to the believer because we're not under law? And what is the, what is the essence of sin? How did it begin? It began with, with, with Lucifer. It was manifested in the Garden of Eden. But there's a, there's a mystery of iniquity that God has opened our eyes to. It's in the Scripture. And it helps us understand why we do the things we do sometimes. I think it's going to be awesome. It's liberating. Liberating. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Awesome. That's why it's good news. Gospel. Okay, let's go real quick. Galatians. I'll do my best to uh, hit these high points. A quick summary. Galatians. And you know, saints, you've got to be bold with the gospel. You've got to be bold with it. Because you know what? If you're, if you're not bold, that's why Paul said be bold. I mean, you have to be bold to proclaim this awesome forgiveness that we have in Christ. Because if you're not bold and, and clear and giving a certain sound, a lot of believers will never get set free. Because they'll just take what you say, oh yeah, we, I know that, you know, God forgives me and I'll put it in this category. But you've got to be really clear and bold about what you mean when, you're, when you say you're forgiven. I mean, you're so forgiven you and I have passed through death, passed through judgment. Jesus said, he who believes on me shall not come into judgment, but has already passed from death and into life. A new creation has come, a new reality. I mean, it's awesome. Okay, so I'm going to start at the end of the last part of Galatians. Paul says this, and we read this uh, the last time. Um, 
Let's look at Galatians chapter 6 and see where how he ends the letter, the summary. Chapter 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but a new creation is what it's all about, he says. You can add all kind of stuff in that sentence. For in Christ Jesus, neither going to church or not going to church avails anything. For in Christ Jesus, neither doing good deeds or not doing, doing good deeds. For in Christ Jesus, neither keeping the Sabbath holy or not keeping the Sabbath holy avails anything. Uh, in Christ Jesus, keeping the Ten Commandments or not keeping the Ten Commandments avails nothing. The only thing that matters is, are you a new creation? Because if you're a new creation, that life will manifest and the fruit of the Spirit will come forth and all that the law was trying to get us to do will be fulfilled. For Paul says, the love of God fulfills the law, fulfills everything. Isn't that cool? And then he says here, verse 16, and as many as walk according to this rule, see the Galatians were trying to get back into rules. And so Paul gave them a rule. He goes, I'll give you a rule. I'll give you a rule. This is the rule. If you're a new creation, mercy and peace be upon you. If you're a new, if you're a new creation, mercy and peace be upon you. That's the rule. So what is it, what does it all boil down to? It all boils down to, like we said, the only people that go to heaven are those that are from heaven. The only ones that go to heaven are those that are born again from above. Jerusalem above is our mother, Galatians says. If you're from there, you shall return there. Jesus said, those who are born of the Spirit are like the wind. The world doesn't know where they're coming from or where they're going. So are you who are born of the Spirit. No longer from below, Jesus said. No longer from Adam's race. No longer of the earth, but from the Christ, the last Adam. From above you are. Heavenly, royal priesthood, royal nation. Awesome. See, that's who we really are in the spirit. And because we are born there, we shall return there because he is in us and we are in him. Isn't that awesome? Amen. So, what, so what's the goal? It's not, we're not, the, we're not the, the righteousness police. We're not trying to change people's behavior around us. There's only two kinds of people on the planet. Paul says, no, no man after the flesh anymore, but after the spirit. The only people on the planet now are those who are dead in their sins, in the flesh, separated from God, alienated from the life of God, darkened in their understanding. And then there are those who are born of him, who have the son and have the life, who, are, who have been raised in him, joined to him, righteous and blameless and perfect and complete in him and from heaven. So we meet someone who is not born of him. We try to, all we do is try to show them him that they might believe. And those we meet that are in him, we say, isn't it awesome? Be encouraged, brother. See? Isn't it cool? And God takes care of the rest as we learn how to live by him who lives within us. Okay. All right. Let's, let's look at this. Um, look at chapter, chapter 1 of Galatians. And if you, don't, if, you don't have, if you don't want to turn there, you don't have to. I'm going to go pretty fast here. But um, chapter 1, verse, if you want to jot down the verses or turn there, that's fine. Chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. I'm just going to hit the high points of, of what the Galatian letter was all about. Um, 
Paul talks in chapter 1, verse 6 through 10, that he goes, I, I marvel that you so soon are turning away from him who called you to the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you who want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul's definition here of, of the perversion of the gospel of Christ is that they added law to grace. They added obedience to righteousness. They were focusing on, yeah, it's great that you believe on Jesus, but to really be righteous, you need to be obedient to the law. And Paul came strongly. This whole letter's about this. So the first thing I want to say is this. There's a lot, and he says this in this book, The Naked Gospel. I love the way he says this. He says there's, there's, there's much to be unlearned as well as to be learned in the body of Christ in our generation. Isn't that true? Now, what does that mean? That means put everything on the table in light of Scripture, in light of the Spirit. Put everything and say, is this what I've been told in the church or what I've been taught by my, my parents or my grandfather? Is this really scriptural? Is this true? And put it in light of the Scripture and, and the Spirit of God and say, Lord, show me the truth. Is this really true? I'm telling you, saints, there's much to be unlearned as well as to be learned or seen. And what's cool about it is you don't have to know all this stuff. You just start, you just start eating of the truth, and it really it just replaces the wrong thinking. It just, it's, it's awesome. Okay, so that's really an important point that he brings out here, that, that don't let someone bring you another gospel. And, if you, and I think many, many believers in the church today have a mixture of law and grace and a mixture of the true gospel that needs to be clarified and, and needs to have a lot of things unlearned so they can go forward. All right, next thing. Next point he makes, chapter 1, verse 11 through 12 and 15 through 17. I love this. Chapter 1, verse 11. But I, but I, make, no, I make known to you, brothers, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through revelation of Jesus Christ. I love that. The revelation of your complete forgiveness and your union with Christ, the new creation, the resurrection that you have now in him, for he is the resurrection and the life, is not by man or from man. It's a revelation from God. It is contrary to natural thinking. Natural thinking thinks it's foolishness. Religious thinking thinks, hey, you release people from their sins like that, they're just going to go off and sin. Religious thinking thinks you have to hold people accountable for their sin. You have to put that sin in their face and make it exceedingly sinful so they'll stop sinning. God says, no, that's just the opposite. That actually gives strength to sin. Paul says, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. See, God's way is to release us from our sin. He knows what he's doing. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world because the secret of the Lord is in the grace of God. The secret of the Lord and the grace of God is the release of the life of Christ within the believer. The letter of the law gives strength to the sin. The letter of the law stimulates the power of sin in the flesh. But the revelation of God's grace releases your human spirit to enjoy the union you have now with the spirit of Christ within. For he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And the spirit of life begins to flow. Jesus says, out of of our innermost being shall flow rivers of living water when we simply have our faith in him. See? It's so cool. It's a revelation. Natural man does not get this. Grace is a revelation. Natural man already knows about sin, about holiness, about judgment, about, you know, you don't have to tell someone on the street, you know, you really shouldn't kill anybody. And if you kill somebody, you're probably going to be in judge. You know, God's going to judge you for that. 
they'll all say, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't be doing this. I know I'm going to probably go to hell. And I know God's going to judge me for this. They don't have to have a revelation. They don't have to get a revelation. It's written in them from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They already know. They already know that, that sin and judgment comes. What is a revelation that is not known to natural man is that another has taken our judgment. Another has taken our sin. And that other lives and he has given his own life to us by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now by faith we live by another. That is a revelation. So cool. Okay. Uh, chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. Chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. This point Paul brings out. He says it's very important that we stand firm in what we believe. Um, verse 4 through 6. And this occurred because of the false brothers who secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for one hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. They, actually the Jews, were pretty upset at the way Paul was, these Gentiles were free, man. They were free. They didn't, they weren't observing holy days. They weren't observing the Sabbath. They understood the Sabbath was a person. Christ is our Sabbath rest, not a, not a day. That was just a picture of him. They, they were like, they were loving each other. They were like, they weren't observing Jewish rites and dietary laws. They were eating bacon. I mean, they were like, and they, and they, so the Jews sent spies into their, in their meetings and they, they came back and, and reported how they spied out their liberty. Paul addressed that and said, we did not submit ourselves to them for one hour that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. See, that's the kind of tenacity you need to have as a believer. Be strong in the faith. Be bold. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And we, we read that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I think some people think that means, you know, when I go into Denny's and have breakfast, I'm going to pray over my food. Bless God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm going to pray for my food, my pancakes. And no. <laughs> Paul says, don't be ashamed of a good news, of a gospel that sounds, that doesn't give any credit to man and, and releases man completely to the righteousness of God as a gift. For he who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Don't be ashamed of the simplicity of the work of Christ. For he is your wisdom. It's God's wisdom and God's power, the work of Christ. See? It's so cool. Okay. All right. Let's, let's go here to the next thing. Stand firm, stand firm. Don't let these, any, any false brothers who, who are, and they're not necessarily, sometimes it's not a false brother, it's actually a brother, but they're so tangled in legalism, they'll, they'll try to pull you down with their own legalism, but be aware of that. Okay, chapter 2, verse 18 through 21. <coughs> chapter 2, verse 18 through 21, another major point in the letter is to live our life free from performance-based thinking. Chapter 2. Verse 18 through 21. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For through the law, I die to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, through obedience to commandments, then Christ died in vain. Awesome. Isn't that powerful? Powerful. Do not let your life slip into a performance-based relationship with God. A performance-based relationship with God. 
Your relationship, my relationship, my fellowship with God is not based on my performance, not based on my obedience. It's based on Christ himself, my righteousness, and his work in that he died in my place. He took every single sin. There's not a single sin that was not placed on him for the entire human race from Adam to the end of time. That's the great mystery of the cross because he died 2,000 years before we were even born and yet all our sins were placed on him. Not a single one was left off. There's only one sin that remains on the planet. Only one sin for which there is no atonement for and that is the rejection of the one who took all the sins. One sin remains. That's why the scripture says the Holy Spirit is sent to convict the world of sin because they believe not on Jesus. Isn't that cool? Everything has been taken care of. Because your faith is in him, you can go in peace and enjoy him now and forever. Awesome. Okay, next thought. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 2 through 3. This I want to know from you, said Paul. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, by the obedience of commandments, or by the hearing of faith? Did you hear a message and you believed? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Another major point here is that the new creation began by a spiritual birth. And Scripture says that as we received Him, we walk in Him in the same way. God doesn't change the dynamic. He doesn't, as we've said before, it's not like a used car salesman that baits you in and then switches the baited, oh, bait and switch thing. I bait you in with the grace of God and the wonderful, awesome thing of God, you know, and come to God, you know, if you're a murderer, come, God will forgive you. But once you get in, the door's closed behind you, and then you're expected to keep this law or do this in order to stay in God's graces and stay in God's favor, obedience, performance-based. Scripture says, no. How, how did you receive the Spirit? Did you receive the Spirit because you were obedient to the law? Or did you receive the Spirit because you heard a message and you believed it? In the same way, grow in the Spirit. As you receive Christ Jesus, so walk ye in Him in the same way. By faith, by revelation, by faith, by revelation, by faith, by revelation, faith, to faith, glory, to glory. It's a life. It's a life. It's organic, moving through us, growing in us, a tree bearing fruit, living faith, revelation, faith, revelation. Isn't it awesome? What a rest. It's the unfolding revelation of the glory of God. And it unfolds before us as we're able to receive it. And I'll tell you a little secret. The greater your need, the greater the revelation. God will always match your darkness with light. In fact, that's why you can boast in your weakness. You can boast in your need of him. You can boast in problems. You can boast in trouble. Because the greater your need of God, God he is not worried in the least. The greater your darkness, the greater the light will come. The great, he will match it. There is no darkness greater than the light he can shine. Right. It's blinding light. He has to hold back. He can't even show you everything. But as you're able, and you're able as you need it, he says, oh, you have no idea. Come look at this. And you go, oh, my God. I'll boast in my weakness that I might just live by you, Lord. I'll boast in my need of you because as I, as I rest in you, the power of Christ rests upon me. What a dynamic. 
We don't have to be strong in ourselves. He doesn't want us to be strong in ourselves. We have this treasure in weak earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God and not of ourselves. It's neat. It's so, I'm learning so much about how prayer is like, Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Therefore, pray, come to me, commune, and cause, put this weakness in my hands. Let me show you the light of my glory. I'm not going to, I'm also not a psychologist, God says. I'm not going to point out all the faults in your flesh so you can fix it either. No, this is not of man. This is not of the earth. This is not natural. This is a revelation of a new creation. This is a revelation of a new being. This is a revelation of heaven. This is a revelation. Set your mind on things above, the scripture says, not on the earth. Fix your eyes on Jesus himself. See? It's a, it's a, he's a wonderful counselor. Why is he a wonderful counselor? Because his counsel is full of wonder. It's amazing. How can these things be? It's not a psychologist or a psychiatrist trying to fix the flesh. It's a revelation of Christ, your life living through you. Isn't that awesome? This is, this is what the church turned the world upside down with. And they were unlearned, uneducated people. They didn't have, they, they, the, the Galileans couldn't even speak proper English. Jesus purposely went to the Galilee to get the unlearned ones who were not in the schools in Jerusalem to show that it is not a matter of education, not many wise, not many noble, not many oh, see this because they trust in their own wisdom. But those who trust in him as a child receive him. And they baffle those who come after him. And after them, they baffled them with their words of spirit and wisdom like Stephen did when they were stoning him to death. That's the Lord's way. And he is glorified in that, that no flesh can glory in his presence. Isn't that awesome? Man, it's, that's so cool. It's just so, God is so, God is so wise. Okay, let's go look. Chapter 3, verse 6 through 9. Scripture foreshadowed the new covenant of righteousness by faith through the life of Abraham. Awesome, awesome. We looked at that, you know, about how Abraham saw and believed God, and God counted his righteousness as a foreshadowing of the new covenant that would come. And how God... Oh, man, I'm out of breath. This mortal body cannot handle it. No. I'm... See what? Okay, chapter three, verse six through nine. Oh, this is so cool. He he actually, I love this verse in Isaiah. Isaiah says says this to the Jewish his Jewish brothers. Isaiah says, "My brothers, my Jewish brothers, you who seek for righteousness, you who seek righteousness, you are so jealous to keep the law. Look, this is this is Isaiah. Look to the rock from which you are hewn, even to Abraham and Sarah. The clue was there that Paul picked up on." He went back to Abraham and Sarah and found the righteousness which is by faith and a covenant that Sarah was a picture of, of a new covenant, and, a, and Hagar, a picture of an old covenant from law, from Moses, see? So he, and he spells all that out in Galatians that we can throw out the bondwoman and her son, throw out the old law and the flesh. And we talked about that. Next thing, uh, the law was added. The law was added temporarily, chapter 3, verse 15 through 18. The law was added temporarily for the Jew only to prepare them for the coming of the seed, which was Christ. The law was added after the covenant that God cut with himself. That's the next thing. God cut a covenant with himself. He was going to cut a covenant with Abraham. You think Abraham would be walking through the pieces. But remember, 
Genesis 15 is the scene where God cuts covenant with Abraham and Abraham falls asleep because God cut covenant with himself. A burning, a smoking furnace and a burning torch comes between the pieces, cutting covenant, father and son, cutting covenant, the seed that was to come, the Christ. Paul says in Galatians, this covenant was a covenant between father and son that the son would fulfill all righteousness on earth and then the father then would give all things to the son, everything to the son. The kingdom would be given to the son and all who would believe, as Abraham believed, would be beneficiaries of that covenant, not a party, not a participant. You're not a party to the new covenant. You're not a participant of the new covenant. If you were, you'd fail like the first covenant. You're a beneficiary of a new covenant that was cut within God himself. Isn't that awesome? What a rest. And so all who believe are placed in this one, the son, and all that he has, you inherit. Co-joint heirs with the Christ, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus because you are a beneficiary, not a participant in the new covenant. We take the bread and the wine, remember his work because now we are beneficiaries of this. Heirs, not wage earners, heirs of the promise because you're a son. And if a son, then an heir. If a son, then an heir. Awesome. And then he says, and then another thing we talked about is the two covenants. This is awesome. Chapter 4, 21 through 26. Sinai is gone. The old covenant from Sinai is gone. It's passed away. God has totally moved that covenant out of the way that the new covenant from Mount Zion, the mountain that cannot be touched, the invisible mountain, the heavenly mountain, is in place in Christ. Next thing, stand fast, saints, in the freedom that Christ has set you free. Chapter 5, verse 1 through 3. Remember, saints, that love fulfills all things. Next thing, chapter 5, we talk about walking in the Spirit. Remember, you're not fighting against yourself. The new man is perfect and complete. You have a new heart now. Before Christ, our heart was wicked and evil, the Scripture says. But in Christ, we have a new heart. The prophecy is fulfilled. I will wash them with clean water and pure water. I'll put a new heart within them and a new spirit. You have a new heart. Your desire is toward God. And the only reason you and I trip and stumble and don't do the things that we desire is because of the power of sin in the flesh. But that is not who you are. Cool? Next thing, chapter 6, be spiritually minded as God's, which is means, we said to be spiritually minded is to see things as God sees things, so we can encourage each other in the faith with great gentleness. And beware, saints, try not to do what I did. I made the mistake, I made the mistake of when I first started seeing these things, I had been a believer for like 10 years, and I got totally burned out, you know, with this mixture of law and grace in my thinking. So when this revelation came to me, and I started seeing this awesome finished work, this rest, I was beating people over the head with grace. I mean, I was, that was the most ungraceful person you can imagine because I was angry. I was like, why didn't they tell me this? You know, why did they, I've suffered for 10 years as a believer with struggling with guilt and condemnation. Why didn't they tell me this? And it's not, it's not good. It's not, you know, it's, the scripture says the fruit of peace is made. It's, the fruit of peace comes or the fruit of righteousness, rather. The fruit of righteousness comes forth in peace by those who make peace. And so it took me a while to get over my anger, my frustration of, of you know, why I wasn't shown these things. And then I realized I'm not helping anybody. I'm, I'm driving people away from the message of grace by being, you know, with this baseball bat, hitting them over the head with grace. 
And so anyway, so I, I really toned down. My early tapes, I had a tape from Hattiesburg, Mississippi when I shared at a church there. I don't even like to hear it. It's caustic. It's so caustic. It's caustic. It's like angry. And it's like, it's truth, but it's not, in the, it's not done in the spirit of love or the spirit of grace. So just don't let that happen to you. You don't have to, you don't have to go there. You can say, ah, yeah, I don't want to be like James. I don't want to do that. And, just, and take it and let it internalize so that when you speak of grace, you speak with grace graceful. And then eventually God just, you know, after a while, man, and then you just, there's such a rest. You're not worried about trying to convince everybody around you. You're just planting seeds and the mind is renewed as they take those seeds in. It's really cool. It's, it's an awesome rest. But anyway, so that's, it's very important that we are gentle and help people and encourage people and not be too, um, too hard on, because we, we too didn't see it one time as a believer. For 10 years, I'd, I didn't really understand. I had such a mixture of law and grace. I was born again. I had the spirit. I was a believer. I was in church. I was teaching church, teaching school, uh, you know, Sunday school, doing all that stuff and reading books and studying the scripture. But I had a mixture and I didn't see it. And, and uh, it's only when I got hit burnout that I, and I think that's the key. When people hit burnout, you have a choice. You can either play the game and say, I, I'm just going to play the game because, you know, for whatever reason, you want people to, to like you, you want to have some position in the church or whatever, you play the game and you have a mask and you just go on, but inside you're dead. And you're wondering, this is what Jesus died for? Is this what he died for? But you wonder it alone and privately. You don't dare talk to anybody else about that because everybody else has their life together. Everybody else understands I'm the only one, but you're, but you're not. Or the other choice is you say, I'm not going to play the game. I'm not going to be religious. I'm going to be real with God. And that's what I did. And I had left the church. I actually didn't leave the church. I put the Bible up on the shelf. For four months, I didn't read my Bible, which is huge for me because I read, I read the Bible every day. So I put the Bible up on the shelf for four months, didn't read it, didn't want to, I didn't want to hear a Christian tape. I didn't want to look at a Christian book. If I heard anything Christian, it made me like, like fingernails on the chalk wall. I mean, I was so burned out. I didn't want to hear a single thing because everything was like, do. You must do. And you're not doing enough. And you need to do more. And I'm like, going, I can't handle it. And then I said, and then I went back into the world. I went back into partying and stuff. And, and so cool. Everything I was taught was that if you do that, God's not going to go in that place. He's not going to go into the bars with, with you if you do that. If you go there, he's not going to go there. And so it was so cool. Guess what? He went in there with me. And I was like, and one, I remember one night I was in the parking lot and I was just crying. I was going like, God, what's going on? You're, you're here. His presence is so powerful. And I was doing everything wrong. I mean, everything wrong. Everything wrong. And yet his presence was in me, loving on me. And I'm going like, what is this, God? I don't understand this. And then I put this tape in that somebody gave me because they knew I was struggling and stuff. And the tape was about the prodigal son, that Mullins tape. He wrote that song about when God ran. Remember how the prodigal son came back and he wrote a song about how God ran to the prodigal? And uh, the only place in the scripture where it shows a picture of God running, because God didn't have to run anywhere, you know? <laughs> if he needs to go someplace, he'll say, come here. <laughs> Bring the planet here. Now, I mean, he don't have to, God, God is so humble. He, he ran to the prodigal. And I just cried and I cried and I cried in the car. And, I, and, I just, and that was the beginning. And that's when the spirit whispered to me, son, study with the mystery of Christ really means. And that was the beginning of my new life. And that's where it began. 
the mystery, the hidden truth of Christ that the sons of men did not know until Christ came. And then God started saying things to me like, listen to what's being preached, son. Listen to what's being preached. What do you hear that's being preached that could not have been preached, that could not have been preached in Moses' day? What are you listening to? What are you hearing? What is being preached that was preached exactly the same thing was preached in Moses' day? Do you hear a secret? Do you hear a revelation? Do you hear a mystery? Do you hear something new? Do you hear something that Moses did not already know? And almost across the board, I heard about sin and judgment and obedience and all these things that Moses preached on. But nothing about this great mystery of death and resurrection, of the Christ removing all sin of righteousness that would come as a gift, of a union, of a passing through a door, of a realm being translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. And then it, then it just all came unraveled. <laughs> and I've never been the same since. And that's, that was 1985. I was a believer in 1976. 10 years, 80, about 86. 10 years, 76, I became a believer. 86. 86 is when it started opening up to me. And look at this. It's like, what is this, 23 years? It gets better and better and better. There's no burnout in grace. You can't burn out in grace. We faint not because we have received mercy, Paul says. I didn't know I had received mercy, so I was fainting big time. We faint not because we have received this awesome mercy. You can't. You can't sin enough in 10 lifetimes to sin more than what the blood of Christ did. So come boldly, the Father says to me. Let's talk about it. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. I remember one time I was so depressed in that 10-year period. I was on my bed and I was so depressed. And I was like, God, I can't live like this anymore. I was just so, because I wanted to serve God, but I I was so aware of sin and and, and my lack of performance and being good enough. And I was laying on the bed and I fell asleep. And I woke up the next morning and it was snowing outside. It was awesome. It was God. I mean, Louisiana, it didn't snow in Louisiana. It was snowing. And I went to the window and I just had tears in my eyes. I just looked outside. And saw the snow, and I said, God. I'll never forget one time I heard, I really heard his audible voice, I think, one time. It was so clear in my spirit. I was so down, so depressed in that legalistic 10-year period that I was laying in bed, again in bed. I guess when you're depressed, you're in bed a lot. And I was in bed, and I was like, and I remember saying, God, I can't, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why can't I do this? Why can't I get close to you? And I heard him say, it was a quote from Isaiah. He said, don't be afraid. I will help you. So clear. Don't be afraid. I will help you. Awesome. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, the Lord says, and I will show thee great and mighty things that you know not. That's what changed my life. That's what God is doing in all of us. Because you know what? He wants us to see what he did for us. The Son did it all. And it's the only way the Father's glorified. We boast in nothing but the cross of Christ through whom I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for your your revelation, your love, your goodness. Lord, I pray that that all that you showed us in this study of Galatians from December until September, that it would 
bear much fruit, that we would grow in grace and the knowledge of you. Lord, thank you so much for your kindness. You're so kind. You're so kind. You said one thing is needful, just one thing. Just one thing is needful. Mary sits at my feet and looks to me. She looks into my eyes and she hears my voice. Mary, you've chosen the one thing, the only thing that's needful. You made it so easy, Lord. You made it so easy. Come unto me, all your heavy laden and burden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, and you shall find rest for your souls. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.